Men Who Pay for Sexual Intimacy, My Two Cents, by a former escort. Clients in a nutshell. I've thought a lot about what to write in regards to clients because of all the emails I've received with similar questions. I thought about it a lot and wrote a fictional piece entitled Dear Mr. X, A Love Letter to Clients. I've published it here and it's in the show notes um, and on my Substack. The letter is my fictional stream of consciousness if I were going to confront a past client with all my thoughts on him. In the piece, as a hypothetical client, you'd envision seeing me pace back and forth going through every thought I had in an attempt to explain everything happening in my mind. I let you see my internal monologue about all things you. So if you're a client that wants that kind of inner world confession from me, well, lucky you, I've created it. Um, I also audio recorded it because why not? I'm sure some of you find physically reading to be a little less engaging or personal. Anyway, as for today's essay, I often found myself wondering why is the prostitute constantly asked if she likes her job by her clientele? Seriously, I was regularly asked if I liked the work by men paying me. Obviously, it wasn't every client, but it was over 50%. By comparison, how often does a server get asked how much they like their job? Is that also well over 50%? Well, I worked as a server throughout university. I worked in retail before that, the food industry before that. I got a paper route and cleaned offices before that when I was too young to be properly legally hired. I can vividly remember being asked a few times about how I liked my job when I worked at restaurants with rooftop patios in my early 20s. Patrons would see me running up and down the stairs for hours. I assume they wondered if it was something I enjoyed or if I felt like it took a toll. I did enjoy the exercise. For the record, I found it to be a bonus gym session. (laughs) Still, it was labor I agreed to. What were the curious patrons trying to discern exactly? If my job was humane by their assessment? LOL, because serving is nothing compared to the grueling physical labor men get up to. But if the cost to me was too high by their assessment, would that have made drinking on the patio less enjoyable to them? Would they have stopped going? What is the reason clients frequently ask prostitutes if they enjoy their work? What's the client searching for? What does he want to hear? And why does he want to hear it? I feel like that's the right thing to be curious about. Agree or disagree with me as you wish, reader, but to me, this behavior demonstrates that the average person knows there's something inherently sad about selling sexual intimacy and access to the body. Even while actively engaging in a delusion, clients have a drive to ask this question. The only logical conclusion my brain can source is we must instinctively know that selling sex would affect a woman, her essence, her soul, or self. For some context, I was considered high class when I quit. A booking with me was a minimum of two hours and I charged $1,500, though it was probably closer to $1,000 to $1,200 for two hours the last two years that I worked. I had a minimum of 90 minutes or two hours for all but my first year of living in Toronto. It made the pool of clients smaller, but I'd make more from seeing one person. It wasn't often that I declined a client. Despite reality perhaps being different than what I thought, I thought I couldn't afford to say no unless it was some kind of emergency or extenuating circumstance. Who knows when you'd get your next client? It's not reliable work. For some context, when I first escorted at 21 for an agency in the UK, the agency charged like 
I think it was 160 pounds per hour. The agency kept 60 pounds and we were expected to pay the agency driver 20 pounds or get our own taxi, which was frowned upon. But what I often opted for because the driver was a total creep. Uh, So I kept 80 pounds for an hour, for seeing a client for an hour. Um, Yeah, and except for one or two, maybe, exceptions, they were all like hour-long bookings. If I was doing sex for money because I felt like I had no other options to survive or earn an income, what the fuck did it matter how much I liked someone? The logic didn't add up. So unless I got insanely bad, and I mean insanely bad vibes from a request, or I was literally unavailable, I would do it. Even if they talked to me like an object, even if they wouldn't screen. Like I only screened like the last two years I escorted. Or even if I knew I'd hate every second that I was with them. It wasn't about my personal enjoyment of the situation, so it didn't really factor in. Uh, that is absolutely the opposite of what I marketed, though. Obviously, that doesn't sound sexy. Um, okay, the way I see it, there are only two kinds of clients. The first kind are the ones that treated me like an object. I heard you aren't the same as a normal woman hundreds of times by wannabe and actual clients. These objectifier clients find a woman who consents to being treated like a piece of meat. Most workers aren't in the habit of declining, quote, safe work, and objectifiers aren't unsafe per se. For me, if a client didn't try to assault me or not pay, he was, quote, safe. Not getting dehumanized or not being treated like an object was a bonus. It wasn't something considered when accepting a booking for the majority of my time in the industry. Um, objectifiers view hookers as a less than human outlet. She's a temporary waste disposal for his feelings of hurt, anger, despair, lust, powerlessness, whatever it is. He's under no delusion that he's doing a good thing by hiring her. Um, not every objectifier is a total monster. There are many shades of gray. Nevertheless, this client is a sadist. Some more, some less horrible. There's a spectrum. The hardcore sadists exist in this category. Dehumanizing is a satisfying game they get to pay for. They look to see what they can get away with for a few bucks. Sex addicts are objectifiers. They could be anywhere on the sadist spectrum. Many objectifier clients come off as nice people until they feel slighted in whatever real or imaginary way. Then their horns and fangs come out real quick. Clients who constantly call themselves nice guys to hide their fangs belong in this category. For some reason, they always annoyed me more than the blatantly devious monsters. I'd prefer the monster who didn't try and get brownie points as he terrorized. It was honest sadism. The professed nice guys play mind games and gaslight. He announces he's a good guy multiple times, hoping one of us starts to believe it the more he says it. Many good guys try to absolve themselves of any wrongdoing preemptively by calling themselves good or nice. Can't you see what a nice guy he is? He gets away with it because he paid for the privilege to gaslight and abuse you. And you wanted the money, right? Many clients tell themselves that what they've paid for is access to everything and anything because, well, you're selling yourself. This man knows he's not paying a woman to do something she actually wants to do, hence the objectifier title, treating a woman as an object he's purchased and not as a person. He's fully aware. If you, as a man, knowingly pay a woman for sex you know she doesn't want, 
I don't know what to tell you. You've got some sadism in you. That's just reality. Some men are kind about the objectifying, and some are monsters. A kind objectifier looks something like this. Client meets escort, gives the money. They sit, have a nice chat. After a bit of talking, he looks at her and says, so I'll have a quick shower, then I want a blowjob, then you on top of me, then I want to come on your face. Is that okay? Mm. I mean, he's not in the wrong. He's literally paying for sex. Why wouldn't he have a script for what he'd like to happen? He's purchasing a sexual service. Why can't he say what kind of service he wants? He asked respectfully, and she was offering. The escort hears his request, doesn't hear anything that she doesn't strictly allow, personal boundary-wise. Still, there's a depressing feeling in the back of her mind she can't quite put her finger on. A lingering bad feeling to be treated like a sex object with a script. Removing the script makes it, I guess, somewhat more humanized, but it doesn't change the transaction. The escort's there to perform her dutiful sexual intimacy, then the man leaves. She can decline, of course, but that means no money. Her entire reason for engaging in the activity in the first place. In this scenario I've just shared, I don't think the client is a monster. He's only a mild sadist, or whatever you want to call him. Could be worse. Doesn't make it good, just shows he's not at the end of the spectrum. He's not under the impression they have anything special. I think this man tells himself it's normal and no biggie. He's somewhat delusional and thinks, my actions have no consequences. She's just this type of woman. Well, there is no certain kind of woman that is unaffected by constant, unwanted paid sex with strangers. Or the second kind. The ones who don't want to treat you like an object. So these are the two kinds. The ones that do want to treat you like an object is what I just described. And now the second kind is the ones who don't want to treat you like an object. They require a variation of the narrative that you love your job and or that you share a real connection with clients that you see to feel comfortable hiring you. They need to hear one of those two things or both. Without confirmation that there's something real about the relationship, these men feel upset at the reality of the inherently sad act of paying a woman for consent to sex. They need and check in for constant confirmation they aren't dehumanizing the woman to be able to proceed with the paid intimacy. They tend to call the payments a gift or use other flowery language in an attempt to distort the unattractive reality that it's just plain old prostitution. These clients aren't sadists, in my humble opinion. They're delusional. However, being under a self-imposed delusion doesn't give carte blanche to be absolved of responsibility for one's actions. Despite being enticed by the delusion, the client knows he's paying for unwanted sex deep down. After all, that trip to the ATM or online banking portal happened before his eyes. You can't tell me it didn't happen or he didn't know it was happening. He just justifies it as a gift. Same as me justifying that I respected myself and I felt empowered by torturing myself with endless unwanted sex. Uh, But yeah, these clients aren't motivated by the same deranged objectification desires as the hardcore sadists, and they refuse to acknowledge that they're paying for unwanted sex, so they aren't pushing down their guilt, trying to say, well, at least I'm a good guy compared to the other ones, like the mild sadist would do. They tell themselves there's a real connection and or the escort loves her job, so they are not doing a sad thing at all. I mean, maybe they are with like cheating on their wives or something, but they don't think that it's bad um, because, yeah, the escort loves her job or it's because they have a special connection. 
So yeah, I think the difference in how these two different clients approach the transaction is noteworthy. So I am noting it. You know, it's it's sane and humane to need a woman to look like and confirm that she's enjoying herself while being sexually intimate. These clients are living in la-la land where prostitution isn't inherently sad. They were likely cheerfully encouraged and persuaded by the escort that they were doing a good thing, engaging in self-care and supporting female liberation, yada yada. They chose to believe it. Is that so crazy? Honestly, no. Delusional? Yes. Maybe I'm too big of a dreamer, but the female liberation I'd like to see in society doesn't involve women selling sex as their main claim to girl boss fame. Is respecting sex work as a good or normal form of employment the hill we'd die on as a gender? What's the message there at the end of the day? I don't find it to be an empowering or respectful one for women. It's not honest work. It literally requires a lot of lying. That second kind of man, the non-objectifier, is lying to himself. He wants to have his cake and eat it too. Well, in reality, when you eat the cake, you no longer possess the cake. You've eaten it. In reality, when you pay a woman to have sex with you, you're not the good guy doing a good thing. This used to be common knowledge. Clients generally fall into one of two types. Then there can be shades of gray based on the person. For example, there can be delusional objectifiers, but if the client is clearly objectifying you, then he'd fall into the objectifier category with shades of gray. Um, I wrote about where and how sociopathy plays in for clients, from my view, in Dear Mr. X. I'm going to ask you again, reader, if women who despise escorting sound the same when they talk as women who love escorting, because you have to say you love it to get clients nowadays, How is anyone supposed to know what's real? The only thing that's objectively real is that it's sad to need to sell access to your body and consent to sex. It's a sad reality that it helps women in bad situations. It is what it is, but confusing it as a societal good is where we need to draw the line, or there will be grave consequences for onlookers thinking it's a good idea. It made a difference to me if someone treated me humanely, like a big difference. I think everyone can empathize with what it's like to be working a job and having a customer interaction where you're treated well and humanely or poorly and like an animal. Except in sex work, it's over you and your personal affections. The value and inherent worth being debated and haggled over was over me as a woman and my naked body, not over a separate independent item. So it's unlike any other industry. The opportunity for mental health damage when you look at the transaction like this makes it seem like a near-impossible industry to engage in and not be left with a total lingering mindfuck as a woman. I'll close with reiterating that the client isn't an inherently evil person, nor is the prostitute. Each individual is both good and bad any given day. Sure, some clients are monsters in human flesh, but many are kind. Some prostitutes are extremely cold-hearted and do things like blackmail. Most are kind-hearted. The transaction is the undeniable evil in every circumstance, not the whole person. Stay curious, reader. And Dear Mr. X, A Love Letter to Clients is now available.